Hey gang, what's going on? Kevin Goatee here, gutting the sacred cow. We have ourselves a kid sports movie, major sports movie, The Mighty Ducks, the film that launched a goddamn NHL franchise. Before we get to that, please don't forget, leave us a five-star rating, two-sentence review on the podcast platform of your choice, guttingthesacredcow.com every single day. We've got new articles for you, list of 10 sequels we wanted to see, sequels we never asked for, and of course, movie news and a bunch of other stuff. You know the drill. Guttingthesacredcow.com as well as GTSC Podcast on Twitter. Give us a follow. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr. Give us a follow. Tell your friends about us. Any of your movie friends, you should just share the word. That's really cool of you to do that. And listen, without further ado, here's J.D. Duran doing The Mighty Ducks. Thanks a lot, guys. Love you. Gather round is what I know. Anara. Boom. Kevin Israel named that film. You got me. <laughs> I keep stumping you. Conair! Cyrus the Virus. Sai Anara. Oh, Boom. Jesus. <laughs> you, you're going to Jesus Conair? Oh, boy. <laughs> Kevin Goatee, Kevin Israel, back cutting the sacred cow. Here we are yet again, folks. First and foremost, thank you for tuning in and downloading this podcast. Now, pause. I want you to go and give us a five-star rating and a two- or three-sentence review right now. Pause the, po- pause the podcast. Uh, we'll, we'll wait for you. Ready? This helps. Believe me, it helps. Thank you so much for doing that. And We're if you're looking you at homework. We're giving them homework. I know that. We don't ask much. No, not much at all. Except for going to guttingthesacredcow.com every day because there you find the best articles every day. Every day, Monday through Friday, Kevin and I have new articles. Top list, uh, hashtag list of 10, movie news, sequels we want to see, sequels we did not want to see, things of that nature all across the world. Go see guttingthesacredcow.com. Check that out. And if you want to advertise with us, guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com. But... Before we get into it, and anyway, we want to thank uh, we want to thank everyone again for listening. You've been an absolute joy and a delight. Thank you for for tagging us on Twitter and resharing. That's a huge help. Right now, and there's goes with the dog voicing his displeasure probably at the film that our guest JD has chosen from In Session Film. JD, how are you? What's going on? Good. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. This is a very unique show, a very unique premise. And we're going to have fun tonight, or at least I'm going to. I, I've been wanting to be cathartic with this film for some time, and this is the perfect outlet for that. You see that, Kevin Israel? This guest knows how to start off a show right. He pays us compliments and says, you guys are original, unlike most of those hacks out there in the podcast arena. I think I think we can end the show right now. Yeah, this is it. You win. JD's got, JD's got the sacred cow. JD, JD, just say a couple more things and we'll sign off. And <laughs> JD Duran has chosen the 1992 kid classic, The Mighty Ducks. 
1992, a budget at the time of $10 million, a $50 million gross for that film. Translate that to $2020, $18.6 million budget, $93.1 million haul. Not the crazy money Disney is used to, but when you get a, a 5X plus ROI, I call that a win in my book. When a movie ends up creating a hockey team, I think they did all right. I yeah. think they did all right as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kevin Israel, next, of course, how did the film do with everybody? IMDb, as we all know, is a scale of 1 to 10 with decimal points. I'll let you go first this time. What did the Mighty Ducks score on the IMDb scale? I feel like this, was, this is going to be high. I'm going to say an 8-1. J.D. Duran, what did the Mighty Ducks score on IMDb? That's a very good guess. Uh, yeah, I'll go eight. Four. Oof. Both of you are paying retail for what you could have gotten for wholesale. <laughs> wow. 6.5. 6.5? Wow. 6.5. I'm honestly shocked by that. Yeah. Me too. Critics Rotten Tomatoes, as we know, is a one through 100 percentage game. Kevin Israel. Actually, no, sorry. J.D. Duran, we'll let you go first. What did the critics give the Mighty Ducks? Um, if I, I don't, I don't think it was all that well reviewed critically. I'm, I'm going to say 62%. Kevin Israel. Being generous. 54. 23%. Don Not Madley's jersey number. <laughs> Don Madley's jersey number. Or Michael Jordan, <laughs> but I say Don Madley because I'm a hard Yankee fan. Audience score, Kevin Israel. What did the audience think of the Mighty Ducks? 66. JD. Yeah, if that IMDb score is any indication, 66 is probably about Ryan. So I, I'll go 61. Kevin Israel, you overbid by the slightest. 65%. Oh, nice. I did that last Good episode. Too. It was off you by did. one. Yeah. Good work. The critics hate it. The audience thought, not bad. It's fine. But how much of that voting is done by adults versus children who see it and the film is obviously made for them or pandered to them? JD, I don't know many kid film critics, but I sure as fuck don't want to read their articles. How about that? (laughs) Which is fair. I'm just saying. (laughs) I like this movie. My dad bought me popcorn and Sour Patch Kids. It's great. I'm just saying, if we poll children who see it, I'm guessing there's a disparity there between those numbers you read off. Hey, Kevin, by the way, that review you just strung together as a child is better than some of the Amazon reviews we, you, you pull out. So. <laughs> I, I'm going to tease ahead for a hot second. What if I were to tell you that the Amazon reviews were worse in the sense of like not as entertaining as the critics' one-star reviews? Wow. A <laughs> okay. first for this podcast. Quotes, cake eater. Yeah, classic. Yeah. And quack, quack. <laughs> Kevin Israel, your quotes. You took my, you cake eater. What Did they ever explain what that was in the movie? I have an answer what it is, but they did not explain it in the theater. What is it? In Minnesota, they actually call people, they are so rich, they're able to eat their, have their cake and eat it too. That's what that means. I, I thought a, it had something to do with that, but it's a local say yeah. that without any... <laughs> I thought it was a race. I thought it was something like black kids in Minnesota call white kids. Cake eater? Yeah, because the, the, the other line that got me, and I was just shocked to hear it, was 
what is this, an Oreo sandwich? The Oreo, Oreo line. line. The Oreo yeah. line. And I was like, wow, that would have not made it past anything today. Like, that was shocking. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe in hockey today, but the NBA, it is a chocolate, 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 chocolate <laughs> chip ice cream in the NBA. And, maybe, and uh, the only other one was keep swinging. Maybe you'll give them a cold. Oh. oh, gosh, yeah. JD, what quotes stick out at you? Well, you guys pretty much nailed all, all the good ones. I don't know if I have a particular quote. I mean, there are some, some bad ones in here. I, I guess the one that always comes to mind, the nostalgic one, is one early on where he's going, swing, bada, 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 swing, bada, swing, bada. And then, of course, it turns into, hey, golly, 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 hey, golly, golly. That's the nostalgia one that always comes to mind when I think of this film. You know, it's funny. I thought that quote was from the K7 song, the K7 song. Swing, bada, 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 swing. Come, baby, come, baby, baby, come, come. I love I have, it's on my iPhone. I have no problem <laughs> playing this at any time. Five fun facts. Five fun facts. Five fun facts for you right now. Time for five fun more facts. Five fun facts for you right now. Five fun facts sponsored to you by guttingthesacredcow.com merch site. That's right. Take a pic with you wearing our merch and we will gladly put you on our social media. That's guttingthesacredcow.com. Five fun facts. Want to take a stab? Who turned the roll down of Gordon Bombay, Kevin Israel? I feel like it's going to be like Charlie Sheen or something. Bingo! <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Who else considered was considered for the role? Bill Murray, along with Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks, mm. and Michael J. Fox, who ironically played hockey until he started shaking like a leaf in a wind. I could have seen any of those people doing this part. Two, one, I would say for sure A-list and maybe even B-lister, a second B-lister. Audition for Charlie Conway. Want to take a guess who the A-lister who uh, auditioned for Charlie Conway was? A-lister now, obviously. DiCaprio. Bingo. Great guess. <laughs> Want to take, take a stab and try and guess who the uh, second uh, B level – I mean, I don't want to say B. I'd say A minus to be completely fair with you. A minus, B plus. I, I, I think I wore myself out DiCaprio. You blew your load. You're going to walk yeah. out a winner. <laughs> it's like you're up. It's like you're up two grand at craps table. Fuck! I'm going to bed, baby. That's it. I'm, I'm two going to bed. Two and we got compliments. This is a good night. Yeah. <laughs> Answer your question, Jake Gyllenhaal. But oh, wow. he, he got he he's not an A-lister. Jake what? is not. No, he's not an A-lister. Oh, I would debate that. Do you think okay? If DiCaprio is an A-lister, then you tell me how Jake Gyllenhaal is in the same breath that DiCaprio is. Because I th- what are you going below A? He's not a B lister. Well, what's below an A? I don't know, but that's why I said A minus. That's why I said A minus plus. <laughs> His parents, Jake Gyllenhaal's parents, would not let him take the role. Fun fact: he auditioned, but he wouldn't let him take the role. The first kid who played Adam Banks, the guy who went from the Hawks to the Ducks, the first actor who played him was sent home for bullying the other actors. <laughs> wow. Okay. Scandal on the set of the Mighty Ducks. Yeah. How cold does it get in Minnesota? When it was 55 degrees below zero, a kissing scene with Emilio Estevez and Heidi Kling 
had it happen where their lips froze together and a makeup person had to pour warm water on their lips to unstick them. Good thing this was not a blowjob scene in the back of an alley. <laughs> Too fair, yes. <laughs> the kids all had to go to a skating and hockey boot camp because they all lied when interviewed when they said they knew how to play hockey. Why didn't they get the role? Classic Hollywood. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> although although I do voiceover and I got an email today going, hey, send your, send your audition in to do a Klingon. I go, nope, delete. <laughs> Not even a try. Jim Jeffries uh, has, a, has a really funny bit about his – he had that, uh, that TV show where he, was, he had like the handicapped friend they, that they helped. I can't remember the name of the show. I saw it. I used to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty good, but that was a true, like that was true. He actually did have this handicapped friend. And when they were auditioning for handicapped people, they said, we need, the producer said, we want to get a real handicapped person. And his whole story is about how everybody who showed up lied about being handicapped. <laughs> and then who did they uh, book? That's, you're going to hell. Who did yeah. they book? <laughs> Do you know who they booked for that? DJ Qualls, the nerd from Road Trip. Who looks like he's handicapped. He has one of the biggest noses I've ever seen on a man in a, in a, ever, period, next to Pinocchio. And another fun, actually, because I listened to Jeffries, that's on his first album, the whole story about him going to the whore and all that. that he yeah. just took that whole thing and made it a sitcom. If uh, you didn't know that. But we didn't give a fuck about Jim Jeffries. No one does, especially now his blowhardy Netflix specials. That's for damn sure. We came here to allow J.D. Duran to gut the sacred cow. Go for it, J.D. Okay, so... I wanted to talk about the Mighty Ducks, and I wanted to do this because obviously they, they Disney uh, recently announced they are going to reboot this franchise, and I have some pretty conflicted feelings on it. And and I brought up earlier that if we were to pull young kids who see this, I, I do think there would be a massive disparity because I remember as a kid watching this and liking it and all of my friends loving it. And I do think that's indicative of the social media discourse among at least people my age who grew up with this film. When it was announced they were doing it, everyone seemed to be excited for that. And I certainly was not. I was on the other end of that coin there. Um, because I, I grew up playing hockey, so this is going to be a bit of a bias for you. Um, uh, and with that, coming with that, I have to appreciate this film because it did put hockey on the map in a way that the sport itself didn't really do, at least broadly speaking, within the zeitgeist at, at that time. It, it really blew up the sport and put it into the mainstream in a way that we hadn't really seen up until that point. So I will always appreciate the film for that. And as you guys mentioned earlier, it launched a literal franchise in Anaheim. And what other movie can say that? <laughs> really none. If anything, you know, maybe one of the, the recent uh, films from the early 2000s inspired the, the crack in the mountain Seattle. But, you know, that's another conversation for another time. But this sparked a literal franchise. And 
when it comes when it comes to the film, it it treats the sport it's depicting like a joke. And I know it's a kids' film. Its silliness and humor is meant to pander to young kids. I certainly understand that. But its approach toward that demographic and its reverence toward the sport of hockey doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. And I feel that it is, and in a very, very big way. The film isn't in any way honoring the sport that it's depicting. In fact, it goes out of its way to undermine the credibility of the sport. Uh, the, the flying V, the knuckle puck are the most infamous, but it's also things like the Statue of Liberty play or the countless other gimmicks that turn the game into a circus, which I think is unfortunate because it's one of the most sophisticated and skilled sports you can play. I was seven, six or seven when this film came out. I loathed the film then because of that. And as an adult rewatching it now, I, I still feel the same way. If anything, my anger toward that has only amplified. And in it, and in the first film, I guess to be fair to it, it's probably the best there. It gets way worse as the as the franchise goes on. D two is even even more of a joke. But I don't think this first film does it all that well either. And on top of that. The dialogue here is clunky at times. It's narratively very, very trite. The choreography of the hockey itself is really bad. Really, really embarrassingly bad. And don't even get me started on the small details. There are so many small things that the film overlooks, such as offsides. How many times? I counted a dozen times kids are just offsides in the and the film just doesn't care. I, I will say, though, I'll give the film credit during its flying V sequence, which in, in later sequels, the flying V is offsides almost every time. And, again, not honoring the sport. It's a bullshit play that would never work. But it's a kid's film, whatever. They at least get the offsides part right during that scene. So I'll at least give them credit because they missed it like 10 other times earlier in the film. But the choreography of the hockey is, is really bad. Goldberg is a goalie who doesn't want to be hit by the puck, and that drives me up a wall maybe the most. And again, I am coming at this bias. Not only was I, I grew up playing hockey, I grew up playing goalie. And I don't, I don't know a single kid at that time, as early as I started playing goalie, I don't know, four, five, six years old, I don't know, I never had a single friend of mine who played that position that was like, oh, my God, I'm scared to get hit by the puck. No, fuck that. Like, you you put on the pads for a reason. Like, you you want to play that position for a reason. You choose that. And this film, again, goes out of its way to, to and gives the audience a middle finger toward, you know, the game and players that want to play that position. And it's not just Goldberg. Every other goalie in this film reacts that same way. Even when the Mighty Ducks are becoming more formidable and was it the Fulton character has his shot and he's this intimidating presence or whatever. And yet we have goalies that are just getting out of the way because plot convenience, I guess. And it's, it's ridiculous. It, it's absolutely absurd. Because the, the one thing I will give the film is I do think it has heart that is genuine. 
I revisited the film, obviously, for this conversation with you guys. And so you have these two characters who are fatherless who come together and effectively create their own father-son dynamic. And on paper, I think that's great. And I do think there's heart in here. I think the best scenes in this film are the flashbacks to Gordon when he's a little kid and he's, he's, he's coping with the guilt um, or the grief, excuse me, that he's still reeling from, with, from his father passing away because that's so intimately connected to the hockey he has as a child. That is great. And, I, and honestly, I was very moved by that this time around, watching it on this side of fatherhood. But that's also maybe two minutes dedicated to this film. And, and as much as I adore those ideas, I don't know if they're fully realized. Um, and so I, I would also crit- criticize the film for that. I, I feel like it could have done more with that relationship, you know, Gordon dealing with his grief um, and how that inter- uh, intersects with, you know, these kids that he's, that he's trying to teach and ultimately the redemption that he's seeking at the end of the film. And so he's a coach that, <laughs> and I get it, it's here for dramatic effect, it's here for irony, you know, whatever. There has to be an arc to the main character. But you have a coach teaching kids how to cheat, how <laughs> to flop for, for penalties or whatever the hell that was. I mean, that even wasn't even fully explained all that well. And I, I couldn't, I, I, I'm clutching onto something as hard as I can so I'm not crushing my TV when that comes out of the screen. It's so infuriating because there, there, excuse me, there, there is a, a great premise here that the film, in my opinion, just completely wastes and throws away for uh, a cheap laugh here and there, a, a few cheap thrills. And I don't know. For me, it's just, it's all fake. It's all manufactured. It's all horseshit. And uh, I know this is a film that many of really, many people my age that grew up with this, they revere it. They like it. There's a good nostalgia there. I'm happy for them. Hopefully the reboot is, is better. Hopefully they are listening to this and will learn from the horseshit mistakes that that film made. Uh, Cause it's all of the hockey and there's a lot of hockey. It's, it's a, it's a 80% of the film either on ice or when, even when they're in the streets they're skating, doing other things. At one point, Fulton shoots a puck into a goddamn van. You know, so, like, there's a lot of hockey here, and a lot of it is treated with, with no honor whatsoever. It, it, it's two middle fingers to the game, whatever, fuck, we're Disney, we're just here to make money. Was just in Disney World in November. Guess what I didn't see? A Gordon Bombay character walking around high-fiving people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wait, so Katie, since you have a, I'm sorry to interrupt, but since you have an actual real knowledge of hockey, the one quite, the one hockey based question that I had in the movie at the end, when he has the shot, takes the penalty shot, uh, he doesn't have a helmet on. Yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah, yeah, he, he wouldn't even be allowed. He wouldn't even be allowed on the ice without the helmet. Like when I was saying that there are a lot of little details this film overlooks, that's easily one of them. Yeah, no, he has to have a helmet. But to be fair, in 1992, they still NHL did not make that mandatory. The last player to wear, you're a hockey guy. I used to, I used to be a huge hockey guy, not as much anymore. Last player to not wear a helmet in the NHL. Do you know this one, JD? I don't know if I know it. Craig McTavish, ex Ranger, oh, okay. and a bunch of other people. So yeah. NHLers weren't wearing helmets on the ice. Still, some chose not to, but most mm-hmm. of them did. But it wasn't mandatory until I think after the uh, 
the 94 season. But at the Pee Wee level, just won the cup. I'm sure it would have been. I'm sure it would have been, of course. Yeah. Of course. Kevin Israel, I'm going to go first with my notes, if you don't mind. Have at it. And these notes, of course, sponsored by guttingthesacredcow.com in the merch store there. Uh, Emilio Estevez knocking back bottles minutes after work results is the fastest DWI that would even make Charlie Cinche. Holy shit, that's fast. What yeah. was the hey, reason? Can, can I interrupt you for a sec? Yes. I, I, I hate repeating the same, the same notes. That was the stupidest DUI scene I've ever seen. Wasn't it ever? Oh it was God. just like, let's show that he gets drunk and drot. Like, who gets into a Corvette when there's ice on the ground with a bottle and just starts skidding all like fish tailing in the icy yeah. streets of Minneapolis? Absurd. I've never driven drunk, but I hear that you're <laughs> probably as careful as possible when you're driving drunk. Like, you have to be hammered beyond belief to be that level of an asshole. Yeah. He yeah. must have been knocking bottles back since 1230 to have that yeah. kind of driving. Because when I, when I used to drive drunk, it's like hands in the wheel like this, like, the, like yeah. 12, well, no, 12, yeah. 12 and 1, eh, going right. 10 miles an hour slower and, and making sure I stay on that right side of the lane. Number two, what was the research Emilio Estevez did for this role? Carlos, he calls it. Carlos, yeah, I know you're going by Charlie right now, but that's your real name. Like, mine's Emilio, so cut the shit, Carlos. Anyway, how much does Heidi Fleiss charge for a midget with double Ds? Send one over tomorrow and call my early birthday present. Okay, sorry, getting off topic. What was it like getting DWI there, Charlie? Hold on, let me grab my tape recorder. Okay, click, start talking. Emilio walks away and has sex with Paula Abdul while Charlie Sheen speaks on the phone and gives all his tales of getting pulled over by the cops. I saw Jesse Smollett's name in the credits and spent the entire film wondering when two Nigerians would come on the ice and fake beat him up as there as well. Don't Jesus me, Kevin. You thought the same fucking thing. I know. I didn't see his name in the credits. I did. It jumped. I go, holy shit, really? Is he in there? Yes. He's one of the uh, Oreo, uh, the, the black guy, uh, the Oreo line, as they called it. Oh, yeah. You almost said he's one of the Oreo kids. Yeah. The Oreo line. That's right. That's a terrible person. <laughs> I forgot how annoying the Rob Schneider copymeister bit was until that one Jewish kid decided to fire those duds out. Yuck. So again, I'm not going to, don't want to repeat a point because I had that down too. That was, he was doing that character, right? Yes. I, yeah. uh, that was exactly that same time in SNL when he was doing that in they SNL. They couldn't come up with just, that's lazy writing. You that think? They couldn't yeah. come up with some kid to be, kids are plenty annoying without having to do that. And <laughs> I would, I thought, I would I, every time he did it, I was like, are they just, like, they're not even going to acknowledge that that's an SNL skit? Like, did you just make yeah. it out like that's it? Thank you. I'm glad you brought that up. Continue. Guys. As much as you, as much as Kevin Israel loves to call me a member of the Hitler Youth, I would orchestrate a better attack than three dudes on rollerblades in an alleyway. Yeah. I saw right. that moment. I saw, I saw that scene. and go. He's going to say something. I'm going to cut him off on the pass with this joke. Thank you. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if the owner of that uh, ice, the the hockey shop, took a hockey stick? and sliced one of the kids off after they made a mess in that store and then stood over their corpse and said, diplomatic immunity. Oh. <laughs> Was that him? Yes. How do you not recognize him? That's the same South African guy from Lethal Weapon 2. I gave you credit, Kevin Israel. Shame on you. He Shame. Was he that much older? Yes. Wow. 
God damn it. I am deeply disappointed in you. That was an easy. I wow. swear. He's no, going to I said he's going to do the lethal weapon two joke. I'm going to go first so I can nah, get that one at first. You got it. Kudos to you. <laughs> if anything ever puts a smile on my face, it's a 90s shopping montage. Oh, God. Bonus points. <laughs> bonus points if the song being played is Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves. <laughs> yeah. I love to interview the, the writer and ask why he gave the whitest kid who is damn near a fucking albino, why is he wearing a koofy? That's a good question. <laughs> Did the three black people at the time in Minnesota, being Kevin Garnett, Kirby Puckett, and Prince, co-sign on a hat primarily worn by black guys, but a kid gets to wear it in a Disney film whose name is probably Bjorn Magnuson? <laughs> Fulton, the kid who looks like every kid who smelled like sour milk and broken dreams in your elementary school, has the accuracy of a Dr. Fauci first pitch. <laughs> too soon not oh, soon enough boy. fuck that <laughs> that's kevin's 17th joke since dr fauci threw out the pitch oh really Third. <laughs> and the first two are gems god damn it averman or goldberg who is the more annoying character i'll leave that to the group chat to decide i've never goldberg, seen he's fat get it he's fat yeah yeah Although Averman with his hacky fucking cliches of no, he's SNL. 100%. I used to quote yeah. SNL things at school, too, so I can't beat myself up too hard. And you guess what, Kim? I know. Yeah. I've never seen someone get fired and then make animal sounds at their former boss like that. Quack, I, quack, quack. I guess the days of calling your boss a cunt-faced dildo gargler are the days of yore. By the way... <laughs> In, in 1992, quacking at your principal gets you detention. 2020, mm -hmm. throwing a chair at your teacher doesn't even get you a stern warning anymore. Maybe bringing a gun into school gets you extra homework these days. Oh, man. Wow. I just call it how it is, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone ducking out of the way and the puck ripping the net are probably the two silliest moments I've ever seen in sports films and leads the league in the that doesn't happen moment. I've been... 100%. Yep. Mm -hmm. Cake eater is actually a term used by Minnesota kids, as I said before, which means even their insults are so gosh darn cute. <laughs> Let's add the goal scored by the girl with the spitting pirouette oh by the token no. oh. by the token female hockey player to set women's rights back 30 years. Oh, so bad. And so as bad. you said, JD, you son of a bitch, for all of you non-hockey fans, the Flying V is the biggest horse shit play ever because yeah. it's offsides every fucking time. Yeah. Final score, two and a half out of ten. This film stinks. This film is the reason for kids' sports films, which not all of them were bad. I said before before we started up, Rookie of the Year, bad. Little Big League, great. Little Giants, not good. But this is the film that opened the door, A, for an NHL franchise, as you aptly have put, but B, the kids' sports films in the 90s, which caused way more 
awful entries into that genre than good. This film, again, as you said, it's a kid's film. I get it, but goddamn, as a kid, I was like, ah, ready? It's fine. As an adult, it's not fine. This is bad. The sports aspect, as you said, a million flaws. The characters you just don't care about. You get more angry at them. Emilio Estevez is a paint-by-numbers. Oh, let's get him drunk and get DWI. Oh, let's let him coach. Oh, let's have a moment of catharsis with his former coach. Oh, and then there's some pathos with the coach, and then there's some co- with, with, the, with the owner of the law firm, and quack, quack, quack. Now I've come full circle. And guess what? As I don't know how old he said he was, but in the very end, he goes, I'm going to go try out and be for the, J- for the juniors. You couldn't have realized that years ago instead of dumping how many thousands of dollars in the law school hey i'm pretty good yeah. i just missed it up by a quarter of an inch but i just missed the final shot you know what nah fuck it i'm gonna go undertake a what is it six-year process kevin israel of law school and then how many hours of working a week 80 hours plus yeah. missing lives and weekends three. what's that yeah. three? Oh, three. Four plus the three i'm sorry i should have clarified four of college three after that so seven total you're going to give your life up for that because you missed one penalty shot by a quarter of an inch. That means you're a quitter, and this does not happen. This film's terrible, two and a half out of ten. And I give wow. that half point just so I could say, diplomatic immunity. <laughs> <laughs> Lethal Weapon 2, one of the greatest sequels ever made. I'll fucking fight you where you stand. Okay. All right, well... Uh... <laughs> So after that, um, I've never seen this movie before. This oh, came wow. out. Uh, no. Uh, so thank you for making me watch it. You're welcome. Um, I, I came out when I was a sophomore in high school, which was pretty much after my window. Uh, yeah. I'm not exactly sure why Kevin was watching it, but that's something we'll talk about at another time. <laughs> I have a younger brother and a younger sister. I already told you that I go to the film yeah. movies to see them with them. But anyway, I, so, yeah, I just, I mean, I, obviously I knew that it was out there and I just never seen it. So the funny thing was, and Kevin and I were talking this before JD came on, I watched this and I was like, wow, this is a knockoff of every kid's sports movie. Like we've seen this movie a hundred times mm-hmm. in all sort, in all different forms. But in the end, it, it, Kev's right. This actually might've been the one to kind of set the stage to lead into a lot of what were much better uh, kids' sports movies. I, there were, I mean, Kev really broke it down a lot of, a lot of the big issues with the movie, the drunk driving scene, the whole, the Oreo thing. Yeah. There's a scene where Emilio Estevez uh, pops a Tylenol. Uh, I think he's got a headache watching the show, yeah. watching the game. And he, 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 and he takes a, and it's one of the things in movies that I hate. Nobody d- takes pills dry. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody does it. Maybe Navy SEALs. But yeah. he took, at least he didn't chew it. But I've tried pilling dry and it's nearly impossible and you end up coughing it up. Oh, so yeah, that, 100%. That immediate, 100%. That immediate, I was just immediately like, all right, that's bullshit. A great point about this movie is this movie to me felt like a cartoon that they made into real life. It, mm-hmm. Nothing in it was realistic. And, uh, and we, our last episode, we did Ace Ventura. And my problem with Ace Ventura was Ace Ventura is like a cartoon character existing in the real world. This whole world is cartoon. The whole thing yeah. is ridiculous. Really, he drives a limo out onto the ice. That's bananas to me. There, there was no way that would happen. And the most real thing was the mother getting pissed off at him for doing it. Him just being like, yeah. I just know. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I know, right? No. And by the way, and I don't care whether you're in Minnesota or New Jersey, when the winters got cold, there were always cops around bodies of water to make sure kids weren't going out on them. So he sure as hell wasn't driving a Cadillac limo out onto a lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole movie just had a ridiculous feel to it. And it was, it felt, it was such lazy writing. Everything they did, every time they introduced new characters, it was lazy. They introduced the, 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 the brother and sister 
figure skaters. And it was just like, oh, oh yeah. they're figure skaters. Want to play hockey? We're playing hockey. And we're great. Like, yeah. that was it. They did no character development, no backstory, no later story. That was all you got. There's and, you know, sorry, sorry to interrupt. And as we all know, figure skaters massively solid at, at athletic events like Brian Botano oh, yeah. and all those other guys. I'm yeah. sure they, they can fake out three or you know, two defensemen trying to, you know, pierce you know, the neutral zone with a, with, a, with a good pass and all that, as right. well as delivering a crushing check against the boards. Right? Wrong. Right. Yeah. Um, and, the, uh, and then the, the big kid who ends up being the strong slap shot, whose name is eluding me, uh, who's he? He's, he's just yeah. what's that? Fulton, which is called yeah. mullet, mullet face. How about that? Yeah. It's easier. He, you know, he's just the, that character was in every, literally every kid's sports movie. Yes. There's always a kid who looks a little older, who's stronger, and it's like we got to get him on the team. But he's a badass, and but they did absolutely nothing with him. You didn't learn anything about him. Anything there was again no character development. He's just a big kid who hits one of five shots, that's all you need to know about him. There's no, I mean, Charlie was, uh, was uh, Pacey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> By the way, real fast about Fulton. He is the Kelly Leak, Bad News Bears reference for all you yes. baseball people. He's the Kelly Leak without the allure 100%. and the, you, you like Kelly Leak. You either love him or you fucking hate him. Right. I like Kelly Leak. Because he's that guy smoking cigarettes, riding a dirt bike, trying to bang Tatum O'Neal. Yes, that he was that character, 100%. but without any of that story or any of that kind of allure, zero. Right, without yeah, without any type of interest. And when they first introduced him, I was like, all right, this is going to be interesting. There'll be something to him. And then there just wasn't. And it almost wow. was like you you robbed the character of a moment because you couldn't write. Um, yeah. uh, the scene where the kids are in detention and they're writing something out. Did either of you ever actually have to write something out on the nope. chalkboard? Yes, yes, yeah, I did. did you? I did. Yes. Oh, wow. you did, Betsy? Yeah, I did. Really? Oh yeah. Wow. I don't. Yeah. I didn't. Th- I. I. My wife and I looked at each other and we were like, "We." I've, I've never known anybody who. That's because you were in the band. You never got in trouble. You big pussy. <laughs> oh, I was in. Trust me, I was in detention. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, oh, this, and the whole and then it like the end. It gets ne- un- unrealistically aggressive. Where uh, where yeah. the your coach? Um, what's the bad coach's name? Lane Smith is a Lane co- Smith. An actress. Yeah, where Coach Smith is like, get out there and finish him. It's like, all right, I get yeah. you have a problem with the guy, and you're pissed off about the that would never exactly ever, ever happen. Like That's coach so coaches crazy. wouldn't tell kids to to cheat and flop and all that shit either. And they're not gonna. They're certainly not gonna say go hurt. Kid. You know have you never have you never met Bill Belichick's kid? I think so. <laughs> he might be an exception. I was able to swallow that, swallow the cheating a little more than I was the fucking eliminate the kid. Sweep yeah. the leg, Johnny. Like yeah. <laughs> it's peewee hockey, goddammit. Oh, and there's yeah. the scene where they show the uh the newspaper picture of Estevez and the other coach, and they're like in the dark faded. It's like it's a fucking peewee kid. Who's what? What sport yeah. illustrator that, photographer came out to do that? was a Rocky Balboa Apollo Creed <laughs> shot. Out of, oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. The whole movie, the whole movie was so asinine. That, Lane Smith was, is in competition for the meanest coach with Bud Kilmer from Bar- Varsity Blues. Oh, and that's two episodes that's that, that referenced Varsity yeah. Blues. That's good. Uh, yeah. But, and I get it. And and it's true that the, there are parents out there that take these sports way too seriously. Mm-hmm. But it just was it went so far over the top 
and it felt unnecessary. And it's hard for me to say, well, like, how would I have felt if I saw this when I was 11? But the movie was, the writing was terrible. It was lazy. It was ridiculous. The hockey, I'm not a huge hockey fan, so I, I that just never occurred to me. The one thing that did occur to me, and Kev referenced it in his uh, in the shopping spree, they were on rollerblades. Yeah. Who would ever, how would you ever let 12 kids ride, dry, roll rollerblades through a mall? Like that, <laughs> you don't. Never you don't. <laughs> that would never, ever happen. And, uh, and it, it did remind me of one thing. I used to rollerblade a lot. And I loved rollerblading. And then one day, somebody somewhere said, you know what? Rollerblading's kind of gay. And we were all like, well, we're not rollerblading anymore. Fuck this. We Ain't that the truth? Just so good. Listen, but in Miami, it very much is still prevalent down Is it there. still a thing? I was well, a year and a half ago. Got, I'm very surprised. that the, It doesn't make us – I loved – I played – I actually played roller hockey. I used right. to rollerblade all the time. We would, like, set up jumps and shit. Like, it was a lot of fun. And then one day, it was literally, that shows how homophobic our society is. Yeah. Like, a couple of gay guys ro- rode their rollerblades one day, and everybody was like, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't do that anymore. And an entire industry died. And I, well, so, you know, I, I, I will say, I will say, though, hockey culture in Michigan, at the time, even now, I live in Florida and in South Florida, and there's a decent hockey culture here as well. And for those that don't play ice, there there is like roller hockey is still a thing. Were you in South? I, I, play, I played it all the time as well. So like I know a lot of guys that did both. I, so I'm okay with that idea. The idea that these kids would rollerblade outside of the ice because I playing ice hockey is expensive. Nice time is expensive. They even address that in the film. Yeah. So kids rollerblading outside of of the rink makes sense, but. To your point, though, it is very cheesy. It's corny. Kids then, in the 90s, and even now, no one's rollerblading through goddamn malls. No. No, that, that shit's ridiculous. So, where, anyway. where are you from? Sorry, where are you from in Florida, South Florida? I, I live in uh, around the Fort Lauderdale area now. Oh, oh my okay. wife's from Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I, I could go on. I took a ton of notes, a lot of, a lot of which Kevin addressed so eloquently. <laughs> Uh, for me, this movie was just not good and I couldn't see it through the eyes of a kid. Um, it's definitely not, my wife got super, my wife is eight years younger than me and she got super excited about this because this was right in her age wheelhouse and we watched it and she was like laughing and like saying the lines before they happened. And I was just like, this is fucking terrible. Like you're not even laughing, laughing. Where are the funny parts in this? She's a simple girl. Um, <laughs> she married you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah easily, <laughs> easily calmed. Um, but she, uh, she, like, she loved this movie. And I was like, you can't even take a step back and just look at it as a, just a movie and realize that this is a horrible movie. Oh, and one last thing that I wanted to note, and this, is a, this falls into an interesting fact. In the 90s, it was very big, if you watch a lot of different 90s movies, to overlight the actors by their head. And it gave them this, it was called like the halo effect. effect. And all of the actors in this movie had that, and and Estevez especially, constantly had the head glow. And if if you ever watch uh, the remake of Miracle on 34th Street, everyone has the head glow. And so I looked it up a a while back and it was just something they thought that would make the character, like they would, you would know that that was the main character because they were glowing. And it looks, it looks so ridiculous in this movie because it stood out so badly. But yeah, for me, this was this wasn't good. I didn't like it. 
I don't think I hated it quite as much as uh, as you two. I, I, I'd probably give it like a four. I mean, I'll I'll never watch it again. And uh, yeah, it was a uh, it. And uh, j- just as a, a kids' movie goes, it wasn't even a, a good kids' movie. Did Ashley feel the same way she did after rewatching it as she did when oh, she was she a kid? Still loved it. Really? <laughs> she couldn't. She could She she couldn't even say. You know what? I get why people don't like it, or though. But I, I love it. But I get why people shit on this. It's not good. Is she I, still dying on the hill for this film? I paused. I paused right after the pirouette scene, and I just stared at her. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, we just that we just uh, uh, that. like what? somebody wrote that in a script. It went through a whole approval process. And they were like, yeah, let's do it. And you think this is an okay movie? And she's like, it's just silly. It's not an excuse. <laughs> I can take silliness with Ace Ventura, but with sports, I'd fucking better be goddamn eyes dotted and T's crossed. Especially the kids. Yeah. I, and, and that was the only the only other time we saw her is when she first came onto the team. <laughs> we saw her twice in the film. Like, it just, it's so stupid. By the way, JD, with your with the mic covering your face, you look exactly like Dimitri Martin. How many times have people ever told you that? Never. No, well, I'm an originator, <laughs> goddammit, so it pleases me to be the first. But before, before we get to that, let's get into now some critics five-star reviews. Critics, five-star reviews, critics, five-star reviews. Critics, five-star reviews. There are some parts that feel very 90s family entertainment but I really don't mind because it's executed so well. Okay. A pleasing and entertaining sports film and one that can be appreciated by a wider audience thanks to its solid writing. I couldn't even say it without laughing. Thanks to its solid writing and strong performances. Wow. A, a decent enough kid's picture. What is this, 1955 picture? With some laughs and the always required sports element, heart. So good call by JD with that one. Mm-hmm. While nicely layered with tough, conflicting personal questions, really tough, Ducks ultimately flaps into easy outcomes and pack contrivances. Still, it's an overall charmer, and director Stephen Her- Herrick keeps it flying with a nifty mix of slapstick and action. Now, those, those reviews are not all that glowing. We can all agree on that. No one's yeah. dying on the hill for the Mighty Ducks, right? Other films are like, fuck you, this is great. No one's like, yeah, this is all like, it's, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> one star, critics, one star reviews. Critics, one star reviews. Critics, one star reviews. Stephen Brill, who has a small role in the film, constructed the screenplay, much as one would put together some of those particle, particle board bookcases from Ikea. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> By the way, I also the, this film did do us a solid. Thankfully, this Mighty Ducks film did not incorporate the annoying, awful Minnesota accent. Thank you for That's not subjecting true. us um, to that. That would have been unwatchable. Oh, don't you know, huh? <laughs> yeah. Those not yet wise to formulate pablum. Oh, we got a wise one on our hands, Kevin Israel. Oh, you, knew I, you, you knew I'd find one who'd try and you know, execute his masters in English lit. His formula to formulate pablum are likely to enjoy this ice hockey kitty ensemble comedy, excuse me. 
But their older escorts, escorts, what is this, fucking Heidi Fleiss writing this one? Their older escorts might want to bring a novel and a flashlight or a Walkman or portable television with earphones. Did the VCR not fit into that equation as well? (laughs) The script by Stephen Brill is pure formula and totally predictable. He takes absolutely no chances. I... Second best review, I can understand why these unknown child actors were involved with this movie, but as for the grown-ups, all I can figure is that they were, in, they were each fulfilling some kind of community service obligation. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> and my favorite one, I chose to work as a cashier at a gas station over being an extra in this. I chose wisely. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Good call. I filled, That's filled, up, filled up $25 on pump, on pump four. Wait, shouldn't I be at a call time right now? Nah, fuck it. This is nothing. <laughs> that might be the greatest review we've read yet. That's why I saved for last. <laughs> Amazon five-star reviews. Amazon five-star review the ooze. It's time for Amazon five-star reviews. Five-star reviews. This movie is a classic. Show your children. It's okay if they hear words. The, the movie is worth the loss of a little innocence. It's funny. After this movie, you'll be a fellow duck quacking away your enemies. And, and then I think someone will be calling you autistic, most likely. What words? What words? Were, the bad, were there bad words in this? Hold on. Ready? Oh part, second one. Though beware, there are a few H-E double hockey sticks. I have to have a conversation with my four-and-a-half-year-old. Great movie. Signed, Ned Flanders. Oakley, uh, Oakley. People get pissy. when If you say hell in kids' films, these fucking middle American people get so <gasps> clutching their hearts like there's a, like as you said. That's oh why you can say damn, but not goddamn because of the Bible Belt. Yeah. Can we get past that already? Can't we move bits 20? No, we still haven't. We stay still do it, which blows my mind. My Wait. favorite five-star review. You ready? Emilio! <laughs> the Mighty Duck Man. Story of a man drinking and driving and then being a world-class a-hole to a bunch of kids, then in an effort to land in the pants of Heidi Kling, decides to be nice to them. Signed, a guy who pounds four beers and reviews films. <laughs> I like how you're yeah, Emilio! Emilio! The only thing missing was a high five, bro. I, I, I bet he was writing it as the copywriter. As the copy. I know. That, that's what I thought, yeah. too. I yeah. agree. And last one. Classic. Make number four already. But stay true to the story. Use original characters, especially the ones who stayed throughout the film, even if they use a new set of players, smiley face, signed, every Catholic priest. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Amazon one-star reviews. Amazon one-star reviews. This is one of the most garbage pieces of cliche trash I've ever seen. Fuck this movie. (laughs) <laughs> right to the point. I like my, it. My, I say my kind of guy or gal. One for the kiddies. As for the adults, good luck. Predictable and bland. 
typical kids triumph movie. The theme is so boring now, and I can't believe there are three more sequels after this. It's just it's just bull plod. Why do filmmakers do this? It's very infuriating. Bull plod. Who the H E double H E double hockey stick says bull plod these days, Kevin Israel? There were four of these. That's a con- callback. Fuck you. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I like that. I like the fact that there were four of them. I yeah. knew there were three. I didn't know there's there was at least three. three. Yeah. Yeah. I did not. By the way, I did not see the sequels after the first one being so just. As a kid, when I saw this again, and probably saying like it was a C minus D plus, I go, "Meh, I don't care." Never saw the other two, and I still the have second. It. The second one is a better film. It's a tighter film, but it's also more absurd, and it's turning hockey into a circus. So I hate it. I almost hate it worse than the first one. Oh, next one. LOL. It was cool with a K when I was LOL. young, but not now. LOL. Written by Hunter S. Thompson. Ah, my childhood is ruined. I watch this again and realize how truly awful it is. This is a sad day. Mm -hmm. It will always have sentimental value, and the kids are pretty awesome, but I, 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 I just, I can't no more. That's actually indicative of why I'm here, because I feel like a lot of my peers are are that person. They just haven't got to the part of rewatching the film. And, of course, the last one is always my favorite. Not a big fan of the movie, but I am proud to say I have eaten at Mickey's in St. Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm glad glad this guy or gal threw a Yelp review in here. Yeah. Kevin Israel, did J.D. Duran gut the sacred cow? All right. I hate couching this, but I I have to. (laughs) This movie – was a 97-year-old heifer that was already about to keel over. So, yes, J.D. managed to end this thing's life. But that said, it wasn't doing good on its own anyway. So, J.D., congratulations. I think you got the the cow, but the cow was right for the gutting. I agree. I think, J.D., you must have had some fierce Indian food the night before, farted in the cow's face. The, cow, the cow's heart seized being so angry that you farted in its general direction. <laughs> Keeled over. You like that? I knew you could. Yeah. Keeled over, had a heart attack, and we can put on the death certificate cardio, uh, yeah, an MIA, myocardial my, my infarction. So the cow died of a heart attack, but you're right. This thing was on barely life support, and you've just decided to pull the plug like a merciful human being would decided to do so. Regardless, and you get the trophy. You do get a trophy. I would say, what's our percentage now of people gutting the sacred cow? Are we like, what, 40, 45%? I don't think it's that high. No? I, think it's 30. I bet it's 30. You do. I have to go back yeah. and do the math, but it's, uh, it's not. So you've, do, you've managed to do something that wasn't done often. But it's like, what, I tell you what, this is like winning the World Series trophy in a year shortened by COVID. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a very cool analogy. I was you guys say, were a little on the fence for, for doing this anyway, and that's understandable. I think I talked you into it because I, I do – I may be wrong, and if so, I'll come back and fully apologize. But I really do believe that there are a lot of people out there that have nostalgia for this film that really love it. And, and we'll defend it, or at the very least enjoy it and haven't rewatched it in a while. Two so points. I, I, need, I needed to come on here 
and 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 really lay out the truth. The best thing this film has going for it is that it has a Stanley Cup behind it. So I guess congrats to them on that. But. Yeah, give it for Paul Korea and Timu Solani, but not for Emilio <laughs> Estevez. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Maybe Guy Herbert, Guy Herbert, if you're yeah. American. To correct you, no, it did not take much convincing for us to do this fucking film. I knew this was a piece of shit. <laughs> All right, let's be honest. And But it is beloved. I was surprised because uh, I told my brother we were doing this, and my brother is in this wheelhouse. He played hockey, too. And he goes, I like this film. I talked to him yesterday yeah. about it. He goes, I like it. I go, watch it again, Brian. We may yeah. have uh, a, uh, a, a disagreement on this one. But, yeah. But that is that. J.D. Duran, tell us again, where can we find you and your podcast and your social media and all that good stuff? Yeah, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. People Great. can find our work at IncessionFilm.com. That's the easiest way to get all the info. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can find the show on uh, iTunes and Stitcher and uh, Spotify, basically anywhere you can find podcasts. We, we have two a week. We have one that comes out on Mondays, um, and that's been historically a, a show dedicated to whatever the big releases. In, in a particular week during COVID times, that's been a challenge to say the least. Um, and we have a show that comes out on Fridays that typically is dedicated to indie films or those said sacred cows. Um, and so that's, so we have two different shows depending on what you like um, there. Um, and again, you can find everything at concessionfilm.com. And thanks again for having me guys. I, I love this. Well, thank you. Now subscribe and listen to every episode, goddamn it, if you really love this. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Israel, where, where can the world find you? Uh, go to my website, kevinisrael.com. As comedy opens back up, I'll be updating with, uh, with dates. You can get my album, The Struggle is Real, on iTunes and everywhere else you download. KevinGoatee.com. Our gig this week was canceled. Ooh. Fucking hell, that was, I was so looking forward to that one, too. <laughs> KevinGoatee.com for what? I don't know. There's, listen, NFL season's coming up sooner or later. You'll be getting my hot picks then. Believe that. <laughs> that's where I was 62% against the spread last year. Again, killing it. Gutting the sacred cow. That's what I really want to focus on. Why? Because every single day during the week, work week, we're doing list of 10. We're doing movie news. We're doing sequels that we wanted to see or movies that we did not want to see. Movie quotes and, of course, movies that we've seen we want to talk about. And here we go for Kev. What's that? Who are we doing it for? Everybody who gives a fuck. We're not doing it for us. <laughs> We're doing it for the fans. We are selfless. And what do we ask in return? That you go to guttingthesacredcow.com and get a t-shirt or a mug or a hat. But more importantly, just leave us that five-star rating, two-sentence review. And when this damn coronavirus does dissipate, I'm happy to say I've done a little bit of dig, uh, fact digging, Kevin Israel, and we have a ton of people who are dying to see this show live. So, who wouldn't want to see us live? That makes sense. You know who? Communists. <laughs> but we will be doing this. We will be doing a live show as soon as this shit, open, this Corona nonsense dissipates, and we can get out there. We have a ton of people. We have a ton of people in mind. I'm going to do for a live show. So, but again. How are you going to know that live show is going to happen? By going to guttingthesacredcow.com and joining our mailing list. So check all that out. Guttingthesacredcow.com, GTSC podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. But we can't thank you enough. All, of, all the kind words of encouragement, support, retweets, shares, telling your friends. That's the highest form of a compliment. Telling your friends about this awesome podcast yeah. that we think we've got going on is huge. 
And of course, we want to thank JD Duran, excuse me, for coming on our podcast and successfully yeah. gutting the Mighty Ducks on Gutting the Sacred Cow. And we appreciate that. And everybody, yeah. listen, thanks a lot. Take care. We will see you next time. Later. <laughs>